Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. All right, we're continuing our series called Kingdom Culture. We're on week 15 of this series. So if you want to get your sermon notes out there in your worship guide, or you can get your YouVersion Bible app here at the Rhodes Church. We love the Bible. We believe it is the last source of absolute truth in the world. So we get excited when we open it up. So come on, Mount Carmel, E-Rhodes family, North City, let me hear you. Let's open up to Revelation 13. Woo! Revelation chapter 13. Today, we want to talk about how do we overcome the accuser. Anybody ready for that? How you overcome the accuser. Let me get my board a little bit. Closer over here, I may need it, but you got a special treat today beyond the board. Revelation 13, I want to start reading here quickly. It says, then I stood on the sand. I is John. John, like the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, same guy, writing Revelation. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, that's the Mediterranean Sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. So this is John writing this book. Uh, uh, to the churches in Ephesus, churches in Turkey, rather, the seven churches. Here's an example. I brought up a map to let you know where the island of Patmos is, where he's writing this. Not that one, the map of Patmos. There we go. There it is. You may not be able to see it in the back, but it's the little red star right there left of Turkey is on the far right. And then on the far left, you see Greece. There's the Mediterranean Sea. So that's where he's writing it, exiled right there. And he sees this beast come up out of the sea. And we said that beast is the Antichrist kingdom. And that beast had seven heads, ten horns, and on his horns, ten crowns. We talked about what those were, seven heads. If you haven't been here, haven't seen that, get on YouTube, watch the previous week. We don't have time to catch you up right now as much as I would love to. Seven heads, ten horns, and his horn, ten crowns. I just want to take a quick shout out to Hillary Mitchell, who just drew this awesome graphic for you guys so you don't have to look at this little board. Now you can see it. You can take a picture of it or you can get online, screenshot it, something uh, to follow along. She did a great job of making that look a whole lot better than mine. Yeah, I'm not discouraged. She's an artist. I'm not. So... Ten crowns and on his head's a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and his mouth like the mouth of the lion. Here's the part I want to pull out of this. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. Here, again, we're talking about the Antichrist kingdom that will come onto the earth. And this uh, will be a human being. But it says something important here. It says the dragon, which represents Satan himself will give the Antichrist his power, his throne, and great authority. So here's what we need to understand. There's a spiritual source, but a physical manifestation. And what I felt like God is speaking to me, he keeps resonating this in my heart, that Chad, I've not called you to build a church, I've called you to build an army of believers ready for the end times. So what we're doing is wanting to raise you up with a kingdom mentality and not a church mentality. We're in the Bible Belt of the Midwest, where, where we're, uh, maybe you may be watching from somewhere else, but that's where we're uh, broadcasting from today. And in this area, one of the great things about our area is a knowledge of God and church. One of the challenges in our area is a knowledge of God and church. Because we've, we've been satisfied with churchianity. 
And God is calling us out of churchianity into kingdom Christianity. Where we cannot be satisfied with coming and listening to songs and sermons and going home and saying, I've fulfilled my religious duty for a week. That's not going to get us in the kingdom in the end times. We have to be ready. We have to be knowledgeable of the word. We have to grow up in the word. We have to have a personal relationship with the word of God. Biblical illiteracy is killing Christianity in the world today. Biblical illiteracy. People don't even know anything about the Bible. They don't bring their Bibles to church anymore. They just look at screens. And so then they don't read them at home anymore. So when is their actual time that they open up their Bible and read for themselves? That's a personal question you'll have to answer. But God is saying, listen, we have to have knowledge of this to be successful in the kingdom. I'm not one to teach you about the Rhodes Church. I want to teach you about the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven supersedes any church. This is what we have to know. Are you ready? Okay, I wasn't supposed to say all that, but I did anyway. So there will be a human being that Satan will give his power, his throne, and great authority to, and he will be the most evil, deceiving person in the history of the world. This is why we need to have a knowledge of the word of God, because there's coming a human being on the earth that Satan will give his complete power, throne, and authority to, and he will be so powerful, so deceiving, unlike anything we've ever seen. And the only thing that will help us is the knowledge of this right here. Knowledge of this right here. I'm not talking about knowledge from a, a preacher you like. I'm, I'm, I can't get off of this for some reason. God's telling me. I'm not talking about you don't follow Chad. Well, I like him. I'm going to stick with that preacher. No. No, no, no. You stick with the word. You have to have a personal knowledge of the word of God. I can be the facilitator that points you to the word, teaches you the word, but you have to embrace it yourself. Okay, there we go. Let's move on. Go to, go to Revelation chapter 12. Oh, something's on that right there. I just feel God breathing on that. God's calling out sons and daughters, not attenders. He's calling you a son or a daughter, and he wants you to know him. He wants you to know him. He doesn't want you to observe him. He doesn't want you to sing songs about him. He wants you to know him. Teenager, he wants you to know him. He doesn't want you to just know church. He wants you to know him in church. Have you found Revelation chapter 12? <laughs> now, so this, the uh, uh, Antichrist... Satan's going to give him his power. So the source is going to be Satan. Look at verse 12, chapter 12, sorry, verse 1. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun. Who's this woman? With the moon under her feet and on her head, a garland of 12 stars. So this woman, 12 stars, we talked about this. I'm just going to give it to you. This is the uh, nation of Israel, the Jews. 12 stars represents the 12, na uh, 12 tribes of Israel. Then being with child, so the Jews, the nation of Israel, is pregnant with a child. She cried out, the Jewish people cried out in labor and in pain to give birth to this child. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon. So now this is the dragon, this is Satan, having seven heads, ten horns, and seven diadems, seven crowns. And on his head, seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. 
And the dragon stood before the woman who is ready to give birth. So the dragon, Satan, is standing before the woman, the nation of Israel, who's ready to give birth to this child. So she, the nation of Israel, bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Who was this male child? Jesus. And Satan was standing before this woman, before the nation of Israel, ready to devour this child. That's referencing King Herod, who was trying to kill Jesus after he was born. He killed every baby in that region, two years old and under. A human being inspired by Satan to devour Jesus. Just giving you a precursor what's going to happen in the future. Then, so let's jump to, uh, and, uh, sorry, Rod of iron, we talked about that. Don't even mention it, Chad. Move on. And her child was caught up to God in his throne. That's talking about the ascension of Jesus into heaven. Then the woman fled. So now we got this progression. I want you to read this passage. Sometimes when we read Revelation and we teach about it, talk about it, it can seem a little overwhelming. All the imagery and all this talk and you're like, I'm not really sure. I'm going to do the best I can to make it as plain as I can how I see it. I try to stay humble in this stuff because this is just how I see it. If, I may not be 100% right, but you studied up for yourself. So it says, then the woman fled into the wilderness. So who's the woman again? The nation of Israel, the Jews. So if we read this passage sequentially, and I think that's important. The woman fled. So we have Jesus was born. Jesus ascended up into heaven. Then what happened? Then it jumps to, then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. What's the wilderness? Wilderness is a word that means a desolate place, a lonesome place, deserted, withdraw from, abandoned. So the Israelites, the Jews will be abandoned. They will withdraw. They'll be deserted into a lonely place, it says. Prepared by God that they should feed, that they should feed her. They should feed her there. Who's they? They is God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They should feed her. The word feed there means to take care of her, nourish her, pamper her, educate her. Oh, there's a lot of stuff here. Just keep it, just keep it to a certain level, Chad. They should feed her there 1,260 days. I love when the Bible uses days. Because God loves numbers. He loves to be exact about things. You know how some people say to you, well, God works in mysterious ways and paints these vague, broad brushstrokes that you can't know anything about God. Listen, we can know a lot about God. God wants us to know. We just got to dig for it. Why did he say 1,260 days? I made an adjustment to my study. I had to change the board because God brought to my attention all this time I've been studying and writing out days, I'd been using the wrong calendar. I was using the Gregorian calendar instead of the Jewish calendar. And he highlighted me and said, hey, you're using the wrong calendar. And I'm like, oops. Thank you, Lord. So here, here's what we're talking about. 1,260 days, what is that? The Great Tribulation is seven years. Seven years times not 365, that's the Gregorian calendar, calendar, that's what we use. But the Jewish calendar is 354 days. The Jewish calendar is 12 lunar months. And then it has seven leap years over 19-year span. And we don't need to get into all that. So the, the 354 times seven is 2,478 days. You can bring up the graphic. I don't have the days on there, but they can at least see the tribulation part if, they, if you want. So I'm talking about this great tribula or tribulation part, 2,478 days. 1,260 divided by... 354 is 
3.5 or three and a half. So God is saying that at the three and a half year mark of the tribulation, what's going to happen? The Antichrist is going to break the peace treaty with Israel. He's going to start worship of himself, the abomination of desolations from Matthew chapter 24. I know this is a lot, but just play it back in slow-mo. And Matthew chapter 24, verse 15, that's going to start the great tribulation. And the Bible says Jesus told them, when this happens, Israelites flee to the hills. What is he saying? There's going to be a place prepared for them that he will take care of them for 1,260 days or the last three and a half years of the tribulation. He will nurture them and he will educate them. What will he educate them? He will educate them about the Messiah. That's, that's another part. We're talking about that today. But oh, that's good. I felt the Lord on that one. So now verse, verse 7. And so again, we're reading this sequentially. And war broke out in heaven. Wait a minute, time out. War broke out where? In heaven. When did this happen? That's the question. I'm going to challenge you some of your uh, maybe theological presuppositions today. I don't do this, I do this intentionally, but I don't do this to be, I think if, uh, I think if you're never challenged theologically, you may need to check who you're sitting under. I want to challenge you to think and get a perspective on what the Bible is saying. So here, when did this war break out in heaven? In your mind, I don't know when you think it was, but I know what I was taught. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. And the dragon and his angels fought. All right, now this is going on in heaven. Michael and his angels fought. Satan, the dragon, and his angels fought. Happened in heaven. War broke out. Do you have war in heaven? Do you think we can have war on the earth? War broke out. But the next part, this, I love verse, what is it, verse 8? But, everybody say but. but. So they fought, but they did not, they did not prevail. Here's what that word prevail means. Strong enough, powerful enough, capable to do something. Here's what we need to understand. Satan and his angels fought. It does not say they were not strong. It does not say they didn't have any power. It does not say they did not fight. It just says they were not enough. It's got to settle in for a moment. Imagine Satan and his angels have power, have ability, but it was not enough. They have strength, they have power, they have ability, but it wasn't enough. So what does that encourage me with? That the enemy's going to come against me in this world. He's going to be strong. He's got power. He's got ability. But he's not going to be enough. Why? Because my God is more than enough. The Bible calls him this word, El Shaddai. I like saying that word, Shaddai. Because uh, I like saying that word. And it's Hebrew for this, all sufficient one. In other words, he's more than enough. <laughs> so I want to encourage somebody. The enemy's going to come. He's going to be strong. He's going to have power. He's going to have ability. We're ready for that. But you can say, just because you're going to fight doesn't mean you're going to prevail. I'm going to prevail because God in me is greater than he that's in the world. 
So now this, this is what happened. But uh, you're like, when was this war though? When was this war? But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So they were in heaven. They had access to heaven. But now God says, you're not allowed in heaven anymore. When did that happen? Let's find out. Verse 9. So the great dragon was cast out. Cast out. Jesus giving us a model of what we're supposed to do to demonic powers. We're supposed to cast them out. Cast them out. This is why God is wanting to grow up the body of Christ. The Bible says in Mark chapter 16, these signs will follow those who believe they will cast out demons. Have you been taught how to cast out demons? Oh, no, we don't do that. Why not? Jesus said that's what all believers are supposed to do. Cast out demons. That's not some weird, wacky theology. That's biblical basics for the kingdom of heaven. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he said, go, preach. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. lepers. Cast out demons. Freely you've received. Freely give. In, in ministry training right now on Monday nights, we're training people how to cast out demons. You should be able to do that. You should be able to. Well, I've never heard of that. Welcome to the kingdom. Welcome to the kingdom. Now let's get you educated on how to operate in the kingdom and go cast out some demons. It's not hard. It's not hard at all. Jesus said, don't even be amazed when demons are cast out. Rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Where am I at? Cast them out. I'm getting excited. Mm, so I'm just trying to find my place. So as the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the dragon and sorry, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. So Satan deceived the whole world. And he was cast to the, to the earth. Mm. And his angels were cast out with him. Notice important note of the Bible. The deceived and the deceiver got the same sentence. How important is, that, is it for us to not be deceived? Because the deceiver and the deceived get the same judgment. The angels couldn't go to Jehovah God and say, wait a minute, we were bamboozled by Lucifer. He tricked us. No, those that were deceived got the same, they were all cast out. You're like, wait a minute, but it'll be different for humans. Matthew chapter 24, or 25, verse 41 says, Then he will say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Who's on the left hand? The opposite of the right hand. Who's on the right hand? The righteous. So those that are unrighteous, those who do not accept salvation, he's saying to them, Depart from me into everlasting fire. Was it prepared for human beings? No, it's prepared for the devil and his angels. God is not willing that any should perish. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell, but he will allow them to choose that destination if they reject him. This is why I'm saying to you with all the passion that I can, you need to give your life to Jesus. There is no other way to heaven except through Jesus Christ. I don't want you to be in the deceived portion. 
Now look at verse 10. Then, so now he's been cast out, the angels cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice. Then means in time. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now, notice the time stamp here, now, when? Now, salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, the kingdom of our God, and the power of his Christ, who's Christ? Jesus, the Messiah, have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them, excuse me, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, when was Satan cast out of heaven? Theologically. Maybe embraced. Most people believe it happened before the Garden of Eden. If it happened before the Garden of Eden, then who are the brethren that he's accusing before God? There were no brethren before the Garden of Eden. There was no one to accuse. We didn't exist. So it had to be after that. How about when in Job, if you read Job, how Satan came before God and made accusation against Job? How about in Zechariah chapter 3 when it says that, that the angel of the Lord, when the, the, the high priest was there before God, and it says Satan was at his right hand to accuse him? That was 500 years before Jesus came when Zechariah was written. So he was not cast out of heaven prior to Jesus on the earth. He still had access to heaven prior to, because it says here, now salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren accused him has been cast down. So when was he cast down? Here's what I think. And again, this is my interpretation. You're free to disagree and, and study it for yourself. I just like to present how I see it because I think this is important in understanding context of the kingdom. That Satan had access to accuse us before God prior to Jesus coming on the earth because sin still reigned in the earth. But Jesus came. The kingdom of our God, salvation came. And when Jesus came and died on the cross, the Bible says, you remember when he went before Mary and he said, Mary, don't touch me after he'd been resurrected. He said, don't touch me. I haven't ascended to my father yet. Jesus had to ascend to the father and he had to apply his blood on the heavenly mercy seat. Because the Bible teaches us that the mercy seat on the earth is a type or shadow of the one in heaven. That there's an eternal mercy seat in heaven that the blood had to be applied to pay the price for all the sins of humanity. And when Jesus applied the blood, that's when I believe no longer could an accusation be made. War broke out when Jesus was on the cross. Satan and his angels, Michael and his angels are fighting, but he was resurrected and poured the blood on the mercy seat. From that time on, the blood paid the price and God said, the blood's been applied for sin. You've got to go out. There's no place for you anymore. You cannot make an accusation against my sons or daughters because I have made peace between God and man. The Bible says that now we have access into the throne room of God. Hebrews says that we can come boldly before the throne of God. Here's the powerful truth. <laughs> the blood of Jesus kicked Satan out of the throne room and the blood of Jesus brought me into the throne room. <laughs> now I can go before him face to face. But look at this. Oh, I got too excited about that part. For the accuser of our brethren has been cast down. 
He's been cast down to the earth. And they overcame him. What's that mean? Overcame. That means to win a victory over, to conquer, to overpower. How did they overcome him? How did they conquer him? How did they triumph over him? They Two things. This is where I want to finish today. They overcame him with two things. Not one, but two. Both of them. Not either or, both and. How do we conquer in this world? How do we overcome the accuser? By. That word by is the Greek word dia, means through. It's a channel. It's a means by which you do something. So by, we overcome through. Get this in, your, in our hearts. We overcome through. We don't overcome around. We don't overcome avoiding. We overcome through. Come on, set it in your heart. That we overcome through. We don't overcome around. We overcome through. That I'm not, I've got to be prepared when I'm going to walk through adversity and opposition. I'm going to overcome through. I'm going to prevail. I'm going to triumph. I'm going to conquer through. Through two things. Number one, what was the first one? Blood of the Lamb. Blood of the Lamb. Blood of the Lamb represents supernatural provision. Represents what Jesus did for you and for me that we could not do for ourselves. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb that redeemed us. We were not redeemed with silver or gold. We were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus. The blood of the Lamb has been applied. So now, everything in the kingdom, the second one, word, uh, so blood of the Lamb, second one, word of our testimony. Word of our testimony. Word of our testimony represents personal application. Blood of the Lamb, supernatural provision. What God reached down and did for you and me that we could not do for ourselves. It had nothing to do with us. The blood of the Lamb has nothing to do with us doing something to deserve it. It was totally God, grace, doing it for us. Supernatural provision. Blood of the Lamb. But... The second part, word of our testimony, that is personal application. Let me throw this out to you. Everything in the kingdom of God comes to you through these two principles. I'm going to oversimplify it, but I think you can apply it in every category. Comes through supernatural provision and personal application. Give you a scripture, Ephesians chapter 2, 8 to 9. For by grace... Supernatural provision, you are saved through faith, personal application. Not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So supernatural provision, God provides forgiveness of sin to me by Jesus dying on the cross. I didn't earn it, I didn't deserve it. It comes to me that way. But... So God's got a provision part, but we have a application part. Remember the children of Israel. Let me give you this example. Remember the children of Israel when the plagues were going through? The last plague was the death angel that was passing through. And God provided an answer for them to overcome death. So I've got, I've got a solution for you to overcome death. I want you to take a spotless lamb. I want you to kill it. And I want you to take the blood of it and put it on your doorposts of your house. Right? That's what he told them. So supernatural provision was the blood solution. They didn't give the blood any power. It was just blood of an animal. But God gave it supernatural power. 
But the natural application, physical, personal application, they had to put the blood on their door. Just because God said that I'm, not, I'm going to pass over your house, they had to put the blood on the, They had to think, I just painted this doorway. I just washed that. I'm not going to put some blood on there. Yuck. Why don't we just, like, put, our, put oil over it? No. What did he say? Blood. Personal application. Jesus gave his blood for you and for me. Supernatural provision to cover our sins. But testimony is my personal application of putting his blood on my heart that I've received. The word testimony means evidence. So here's what God's saying. We're going to overcome by two things. How am I going to overcome the accuser? How am I going to overcome the enemy in my life? Two things. Two ways, Chad. Here's how you're going to do it. Number one, you're going, to, you're going to overcome by what I did for you that you could not do for yourself. I'm going to put you in a position to succeed by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to give you authority by the blood of Jesus. I'm going to give you the name of Jesus. I'm going to do for you what you can't do for you. I'm going to give you power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you that you'll be, oh, Jesus. So I'm going to give all this to you. All I ask you to do is put the blood on your heart. Get a testimony. Have a testimony. Here's, the, here's what God's saying. The supernatural provision's already been done. You can't even undo it. I don't care how bad you are, how sinful you are, you can't undo the supernatural provision. It's already been paid for. Oh, by the grace of God. But the question still remains is do we have our own testimony? Do you have a personal application? Do you have personal evidence that you've accepted the payment that Jesus paid for you? Do you have it painted on your heart that Jesus is the Lord of your life? Have you taken the blood and said, Lord, I want to die to myself and give my heart to you. Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Do I have a testimony? Do I have a personal application? Or is, is it just a supernatural provision? That's something you have to decide. Listening to me today, if you want to overcome, you need both. Supernatural provision is not enough. But here's a theology that's grabbed people in the body of Christ. They've embraced that supernatural provision is enough. That if God wants it to happen, it'll happen. It's all about Him. It's just about the provision. But I'm telling you, God's wanting to raise up kingdom people that realize it's not just about that. It's about am I personally applying the truths of the gospel into my life? That's how I will overcome. Not by me, by grace, but through faith I apply it to my life. Am I making sense? It could be preached to you, it could preach over you, around you. It doesn't matter. It's only going to stick to you when you put the blood on my house, my heart, my doors and say, Lord, it's me, it's me, it's me that needs salvation. It's me that needs the power of God. It's, it's me that needs more. It's not what the preacher does. It's not what, what they do. It's me. How am I going to overcome? Two things. What are they? Blood of the Lamb. Word of my testimony. See, Satan was kicked out of heaven because the blood came. That's the power of Jesus. 
Jesus redeemed all of mankind so much so that Satan does not even have access into the kingdom of heaven any longer. He was booted out and now he's on the earth. We'll talk about this more next time. But he's on the earth and he is madder than a hornet because he got kicked out. He's got a short time and he's going to use his power, he's going to use his strength, and he's going to use his ability. Ability, But I'm going to tell you and I'm going to tell him it will not prevail. It won't be enough. It won't be enough. Because El Shaddai is on the scene. He's more than enough. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.